Hi, and welcome to the podcast. We will get the dream team together once again. Today, it's just me and myself and I. Um, but Greg and Chris will once again be joining us soon, soon, soon. Uh, so today, I wanted to talk about something I saw, something interesting on the internet, a hashtag about women in engineering. And I thought to myself, hmm, that's you know really interesting because... Um, for a while, computer science has been a very male-dominated field. That, to me, is a little bit weird because that wasn't always the case. Um, if you go back and you look a lot, of, uh, look at a lot of those like life life photos from like the 1950s when the computers took, you know, used to take up um, half a room and you'd have like a row of them and you have like maybe four with the big spinning disks and there was a lot of like uh, dot matrix printing and stuff going on. It was very intricate, very elaborate. You would see that the ratio of women to men was uh, somewhere around 50-50. And I don't think, at least in the 1950s, you know, women, they didn't have as many rights as they do now or they weren't um, in as more positions of power than they are right now. They used to be um, – I don't want to say mar- – I guess marginalized is a good word. They were m- more marginalized definitely than they are today and we were less aware of um, – as a nation, probably as the uh, uh, the indiscrepancies, or maybe we were aware, but we didn't care. Um, even so, I don't think that lifetime would f- make it take those photos on purpose to have a fifty fifty representation. But roughly or not, you know, roughly, it was a fifty fifty, and that's because originally I think computer science was a, a female dominated field, and from what I understand, like you know, with Ada Lovelace and. The, those type of peeps and that kind of stuff. Um, although Ada Lovelace is this whole other thing, you should look. Her, you should Google her. Um, and she has a whole. Pro, uh, she has a programming language named after her, Ada Ada, because her story is pretty interesting. But that's not what I was trying to talk about. Oh, so what I was trying to get at is that it started off. From what I understand, it started off as a female-dominated field because it used to be secretaries who were good at typing, that would have the speed that it required to do the computer stuff. I don't know if that's true. But that's how it started, and then eventually became a male-dominated field, and then now we start to see the, not for computer science, but but engineering in general, the women of engineering hashtag, and I thought it was very interesting because I thought, thought to myself, hmm, while that was the case while I was in college, that I saw a girl, like maybe one girl per class or, you know, like two girls every five classes or something, I think that what I saw less was... Um, Latins and blacks uh, in computer science. And that's not to be like, I don't want to make it a race issue. I don't want to get like too down that route because then that could be mistaken and people get really defensive. And then Mexicans are about like la raza, la raza, which means the race, the race. Uh, and the last group of people say that word, you know, the Third Reich, whatever. So I don't want to go down that route because that's not, that's not where I'm at. But um, I think I saw in my, in my time in college, I saw more women in computer science than I saw, uh, than I saw, you know, my African American brethren, <laughs> uh, or you know, like Latin, my, you know, my homies, the Latin people. And I thought to myself, you know, you know, why is that? And so I got to thinking of that, and um, I thought back to my personal experience. And you know, I went to a high school in East LA that was predominantly Mexican, 99.6, I think, percent Mexican, 99.8 percent. Um, uh, uh, Hispanic, so um, you can see where the skew is. I mean, we had three white guys and like two black kids, and that was it. And then like five Armenian kids, and uh, in a school of five thousand, 
in a campus that was originally meant for 2,000 students. And I thought about the quality of our education and sort of like where the expectation was lying on the teachers. And honestly, I think back on it, and the expectations weren't very high, and they weren't really pushing or driven to those STEM programs, like the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Like the kids that got good at it had to force themselves to get good at it, but the general consensus was um, that uh, was not in that direction. Like actually the math program at my, at my high school was just got awful, which is really sad because a very prominent mathematician named Jaime, uh, mathematics teacher named Jaime Escalante came out of there and they did a whole movie called Stand and Deliver. So you'd think that with that kind of rep, the, the school would be like, all right, we should focus, we should double down and focus on this program and make it better. But really it was only like, a handful of teachers that were um, qualified to even be teaching the material, I think. Um, I think back on it now, um, by the time I finished my college degree, I was way better at calculus than the teachers that were teaching me in high school, so I have no idea how they were allowed to teach um, calculus without actually understanding the material that well. Or maybe they understood it and they couldn't teach it, I don't know, like I don't want to be too harsh on them because they weren't bad people and they weren't terrible teachers. They were definitely trying to teach it, but they didn't have the knowledge expertise to really lock it down and teach it to the students. So so that got me thinking, well, why is that? Is it really as simple as a you know, like a poverty discrepancy or or, you know, like why aren't we pushing more more of the Latin youth, more of the African American youth into into mathematics and engineering is it's I don't think it's anything about innate capability like everybody more or less has a fair playing field but what I saw was at least from my group of people that graduated I went I doubled down on the math and engineer and computer science and engineering because when I left high school I was okay at pro I was decent at programming um, I learned uh, C for the first three years and then Java, I taught myself Java the last year. Um, then I went and did it all again at, uh, at my college, or university rather. Um, and by the time I got out of it, I was, I was decent at mathematics and I was really good at programming. But my counterparts, the people that didn't go down the engineering and um, math or any of the technology or the sciences route seem to really be struggling and really have a hard time making that money uh, or just you know life in general you know a lot of them are living in the are still living in the inner city not that that's a bad thing I know that uh, downtown LA is getting gentrified and it's getting nicer and it's getting like you know all sorts of fancy and there's a whole uh, basket full of issues or a rabbit hole that you can go down go down that route if we're going to talk about gentrification of Los Angeles and uh, the displacement of poor people and how we're driving up the rent, you know, driving up the rent prices, basically pricing people out of their places they lived in for like the last 20 years. Um, and, and, you know, so it's that's good and bad. Um, it's bad for the families, but it's really good for the area because it drives up property values and it gets nicer and then there's less gang violence or whatever. Well, theoretically, because I know they did the hashtag 100 people 100 days stuff. Which I don't think they went through with that, so that's good. Um, but basically, I think LA gang activity was going to ramp up again, and they were going to try to kill 100 people in 100 days, two rival gangs. Uh, yeah, so that wouldn't have been good. So, we, sorry, I went down a tangent. So getting back to what I was originally talking about, the sciences, technology, engineering, and mathematics, I'm seeing that my counterparts um, that didn't study that are generally having a harder time 
getting ahead in life. They seem to be stuck uh, renting. They seem to be having a hard time like making those uh, you know, major purchases like down payment for a house, like trying to just uh, get maybe like uh, new cars and stuff like that. And it, I know that that is like the quintessential American dream uh, where you, the quote unquote American dream, because I think that's fading too. It's getting harder and harder because they say part of the American values are the pursuit of happiness. But in the American dream where you like they've sort of laid down, laid down this track for you where you go, you get your degree, you come out, you start working, you make, your, you make some money, you buy your two cars, you buy your house. And at no point does anybody say anything about happiness there. They, they promise you the pursuit of happiness, but you know, no one ever, no, at least no one ever asks me, are you happy doing what you're doing? Um, and I wouldn't say that I'm un unhappy, but uh, it, sometimes you know, software development can be very mundane, uh, especially once you learn the ropes and it just becomes you know, somewhat repetitive. So that might not be, so the goal for my friends might just be happiness. It might not be, they don't want to own the two cars. They don't want to own the house and, you know, live in the suburbs or whatever. Um, that might not be their goal, but a lot of them I've noticed are like, got out of college, have a lot of debt, can't really get a job that a high paying job that, uh, really exercises the exercises, the things that they learned and they're moving back with their moms and pops and, and, you know, staying back for a while. And the ones that did well, even if they didn't study technology or engineering, went into some sort of engineering and they moved up to SFO and they started doing some tech stuff, um, like IT type work. Like I know a girl who went to Yale from, actually hers is a, a true success story. She grew up in East LA, sort of did all that, worked really hard in high school, went to Yale, got her Yale degree. Um, and in, I think it was either women's studies or, uh, it was a liberal arts, and then she ended up working at the IT department in Yale and then ended up getting an IT job for Box and SFO. So her life didn't go, I imagine, didn't go as planned because I, I think her original altruistic goal from when I, when I spoke to her was that she, when she was leaving, when she was going to go, she was going to get her degree, come back to East L.A. and help people better their situation, become a counselor, like help people like get plant, uh, by applying for plant, 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 planned parenthood and uh, help these kids like sort of guide, guide their way. But, and the following is not a diss on, the, on my people or the East Coast culture, but some people don't want to be helped and they're sort of ingrained and stuck in that mentality. And it's uh, a very, there's no way around this. It's ghetto, it's a ghetto mentality and they don't want to better their situation and they don't want to get better. And that's weird. That's bizarre to me in that, that, they're, that so, they're so ingrained that that is what their life has to be and that is what, how it's going to be and they're perpetuating the cycle of poverty and ghettoness and, and what have you, whereas others see that and they don't want to be a part of it but don't know how to escape. So these are the, those are the friends that I'm talking about that, that they saw, okay, they're, I've been told that I can get out of the situation with education, that I'll make money, that if I get my education that the money will come and that that the, I will be able to rise through the ranks and you know do better for myself. And they've sort of done it and they haven't been able to get a job or they have or they're very discontent with their job and it doesn't really exercise the things that they learned and therefore they are not fit, full, fulfilled. Whereas the people that have gone into, down the mathematics route, the physics route, the, the you know aerospace engineering have sort of gone down that route and while it may not be 100% what they thought the track would be, 
it's close enough that they're happy and they're making enough money to like at least pay off their debt and be independent uh, of their family. And so seeing those success stories, it, it just seems so blatant and so obvious that it's, it just seems bizarre that we wouldn't be doubling down on the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics portion of the of these programs that like have helped um, people such as myself escape poverty and not only escape it but using but using your noodle just you know thrive and make more money and um, and money does not equal happiness but money can sure as hell pay for a lot of things and it make it easier make your life you don't have to worry about uh, living paycheck to paycheck or figuring out like how am I going to pay this or having to make those decisions like okay what are the necessities and what are the nice to haves and why can't I have those nice to haves because we the truth is we live in a capitalist society that's very focused on consumerism on egocentrism uh, uh, and the reality is that our, our society seems to favor almost sociopathic, uh, psychopathic behavior where it's all about me and fuck y'all to get ahead. And that seems very destructive. And there's really no incentivation to go back and actually help people, um, both on the persons that you're trying to help because they take it, sometimes they take it as an insult, they take it the wrong way. And in the system itself, there's no money in it. Like our teachers aren't getting paid anything. It's like, it's all just kind of a shit show. Um, but it's really weird to me because everybody at the top, like even um, our president, is saying things like everybody should know how to code, everybody should know how to program. And I agree, everybody should have an idea of how to do it um, so that they have some level of semblance or control or understanding of what it takes to do these things in order to stay ahead. At the same time, I don't see the money backing and pushing that to really uh, kickstart or like push forward the engineering aspect of our, our society. And it's really weird because I'm pretty sure that any investment, or maybe not any investment, but investments made in engineering, science, and mathematics always uh, pay off. There's always an ROI, right? Like a lot of the cool stuff, I think, was it a lot of inventions um, that were made like diapers was as part of the NASA space program for like, they were invented for astronauts. And I think, uh, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was toothpaste, but just like stuff like that here and there that you don't think about. Velcro, um, no, Velcro might have been a military one. But a lot of the, a lot of the technology that we enjoy today came from that push in the space race, which was an engineering, mathematics, and technology feat, and science feat. It was all of them. It was interdisciplinary, um, and. While aerospace, there might not be that many jobs in aerospace, aerospace, which is really sad because the, getting an undergraduate degree in aerospace takes at least seven years. Uh, I know that anecdotally because I had a lot of friends that were aerospace engineers and took forever to graduate. And once they graduated, they ended up doing project management for companies in aerospace that sort of like um, that produce parts for planes. Which I thought was really sad because you like they spent seven years learning all these difficult things. Like um, I remember when I took differential calculus, differential calculus uh, uh, it was one of the easier math courses. To them, that's like the the like not the entry, but like you, that's like where it starts, and then it only gets crazier. Um, I remember like some of those problems taking like seven pages and being like, I don't ever want to do this uh, on a day to day, but maybe to solve the big problems, I would right. Um, 
And to do all that and to sacrifice so much and to spend so much money in education to come out and be a project manager, it just seems like a waste of time. Uh, the flip side is they go into academia, research, and that kind of stuff, but then there's no money to be made there either. So it's kind of a, you know, like, there's no incentive. You know, so what are we to do? Um, so this train of thought just came from basically, like, the representation of the people in engineering and the science and mathematics and all that stuff. And I feel like I got lucky, basically, that I was that I was not only adept and keen at those activities, but I found them interesting and genuinely, um, genuinely fun. Uh, but I've been doing them since I was, since I was like 13 or 14. I, when I was 13, I was doing, um, uh, programming a, uh, I think they're called CVC machines. I forget. Like they're the big machines that you can use to program stuff to like write, um, name tags and stuff. Uh, the, the milling machines that like take off like a little bit of the plastic and you can write your name so you program them. And then there was one, um, and the, I think it was written in Python actually, where it was just uh, matrices. I had to learn matrices at age 13 to figure out how to program a robot arm to pick up an egg and then put it in a cup. And that was a lot of fun. I thought that was like fascinating. I thought it was super fun, super interesting. Um, and that, that's sort of when I knew that I was going to get into computers, uh, which is why I ended up going to, and th this is the part that I think back on it now and I think, wow, I can't believe that, that this is true. That's why I went to a computer science magnet and the only computer science magnet in the entire LAUSD is in East LA in an overpopulated school uh, uh, full of like, uh, just basically like, in, in a, I don't want to say impoverished or poverty stricken, but it was there was a lot of poor people and it was just packed and this, the, some of the teachers cared and some of the teachers could care less um, about how you did or how well you did or whether you're going to succeed or not. Luckily, I was fortunate enough to to be a part of the magnet program and the teachers in the magnet program really cared about their students and really wanted to get, see them succeed. So I ended up um, learning how to program, getting really good at it, coming a uh, going into university, being like two steps ahead of everybody being able to really thrive and have to learn the material and not have to work and overcome uh, getting my, you know, my, my legs or like my, my legs, my, you know, just my, just trying to get used to programming, let alone trying to solve a problem. And I could focus more on the algorithmic and all the mathematics stuff, which as, which all sort of, you know, it all compounds because by the time I got out and was working, I was able to get past I was past all that and I had already been able to focus on the algorithmic and solving that kind of stuff that when it came to the rubber meeting the road and just solving actual problems, I was like, cool, you need me to learn the stack, like whatever, I'll learn the stack or like, cool, you need me to do this, that's fine, like I don't care what language it's in, I don't care, as long as it's, you know, as long as it's not terrible, like I'm not going to want to do like some cold fusion shit, but, you know, as long as the stack wasn't like ridiculous, like some like cold fusion, like, uh, like antiquated, like, uh, uh, Fortran or COBOL or something like something that's not something that's not used anymore. I was able to you know do something and figure it out and apply you know apply the things that I've learned. So the way that all lined up for me and compounded for me, I feel that that positive energy that like 
thrive and that the the drive mixed with the uh, the exposure mixed with the uh, you know like it all started when I was little. I used to watch Bill Nye the Science Guy and I used to watch like all the science shows because I thought they were really fascinating. And then the, the PBS and my dad had bought me like a, a whole series of encyclopedia with pictures of like science and space and you know planets and you know all this stuff and all these interesting facts and pictures and colors and it all added up and it lined it all lined up to me and I was like okay well this is fascinating some of the most intelligent people and profound people like Carl Sagan and uh, now now if we'd have to do it now it'd be like Neil deGrasse Tyson and those guys are coming out of these sciences science fields and like some of the really intelligent um, like uh, was that the, like fundamentalists like uh, mathematician computer science people like Alan Turing Drexta were not only really interesting people and really interesting mathematicians but they had some good ideas uh, outside of it. I don't know that they did anything with it, but they seem to be very, um, very rich and balanced people. Um, so all this positive feedback sort of, and I guess that's the best way to describe it. It's like this, this tide, this feedback, this force, I was able to catch the wave and get really good at at what I do and enjoy it, and now I've I've sort of landed on a plateau, and and I have you know I'm not riding a wave anymore. I have to create my own wave or figure out where I want to go and what I want to do, and that's a very scary situation to be in. But at least I'm not in the water. I'm in dry land. Um, likewise, I feel that people can be caught in like an undertide or a riptide or or a negative feedback loop, where. Um, they grew up with crime and violence, and uh, and that's not to say that I didn't grow up around that because I did. Gr I grew up in between Koreatown and downtown LA when I was a little kid, and in the AA, in the uh, early '90s, because uh, I was born in the '80s, in the early '90s. So I was there for Rodney King and all that stuff, when, and then I was there when the MS MS13 and uh, 18th Street were really really active in my neighborhood and um, you know we my family was a victim of like I think a couple muggings uh, no one got hurt but uh, I was definitely exposed to that and you know um, <clears throat> domestic violence was the, not a concept that I was that I was unfamiliar with um, not so much because it occurred in my household but because you saw other people do it and uh, you know like you know like like many family many um, poverty-stricken families uh, I mean, I didn't get it at the time, but a lot of the arguments that my, my mom and dad used to get into were about money and, and you know, so on and so forth. And, and it's all stuff that most people or that a lot of well-to-do people don't have to deal with and they don't sort of seem to get the point that one thing sort of leads to another. You're, like, you're exposed to constant violence. Uh, you don't feel safe. You don't feel safe at home. You don't feel safe outside your home. You don't want to go out at night because you're afraid of getting mugged. Like it, all this compounds, and you sort of feel like that's where you're stuck in. That's where you're rutting, and that's where you're going to end up in. Like those, you're going to end up like those people on the street that are committing that crime. And some people do. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, prophecy where there is like there doesn't seem to be any escape. You're just pulled too far into the riptide, pulled too far into this negative feedback loop that you're just sort of stuck in it and that's how it perpetuates itself. And even if you manage to somehow succeed or get out of this, you're still a step behind or two steps behind everybody else because you had to uh, conquer that and go beyond that and fight against the grain the whole time where like people, some people where if you, if you seem to be making something out of yourself like the community wasn't there for you it was more like what you think you're better than us because like kind of mentality um and so you have to fight that and so 
I can see while I can see why it doesn't happen and why the uh, poverty cycle seems to be perpetuated, but knowing that and being aware of that and being outside of that, I don't see why people don't come in. Uh, well, I mean, I do see that because saying this, I could do something myself where I can go be more involved and be, you know. And the reason I don't do it is very simple. It takes time and it takes money. And at the end of the day, it might not be rewarding. So you really have to be a pure, altruistic, almost positively flawed like to like to a degree where you're flawed to really go in and try to help um those that need help it's it, it's like a true uh, true altruism it's it's really hard to do i don't think that i have it in me to do it and that's why i'm not doing it but i just you know i really wish sometimes that i i could help these people because i can see i've seen uh youth burn out or smart youth um where i have um a friend of the family his kid is a uh, is a dreamer like from the Dream Act, because um, he he was born here in the United no he was born in Mexico and was brought here in, at a very young age I think the age of two and he's grown up here his entire life and because he is not a he's not American born he cannot um, he's having a hard time with the, the the university applications and all that stuff and so I saw him go from a someone that could have a very bright and successful future because this kid was smart, he's sharp, he still is, um, to just sort of turning into like nothing. Um, he, he, you know what he ended up doing? He ended up getting his, his weed card and now he works at like a convenience store in, um, I think in like Union Station or something. It's it's really, it's sad. Like I was, I was, I was really just saddened by the fact that he, I mean, he's still going to school, he's going to a CC, um, but I was really saddened by the fact that he basically, he's been, he's fighting such a strong undercurrent and he's fighting such a strong negative feedback loop that um, that he's just sort of been pulled down and he's going to have a really hard time rising above, um, if at all. And I've seen the same happen to my... I've seen the same happen to my cousin. I've seen the same happen to my sister, and it's disheartening. Um, like I don't know how to help them, and I don't know how to help them get out of there. My cousin's sort of waking up. He's he's figured out how to go past it, go beyond it, and he's now you know he's getting his stuff together. He's like getting a job. He's rolling back in college, and he's laying off the alcohol. He's laying off the the weed. He's like coming down. He's basically getting his shit together, which is great. But the fact that he had to go down that route before he could come back on the other side and you don't come back you don't come out the other side the same you've wasted you've wasted years that you're not going to get back and you're now three steps behind and there's age discrimination when it comes to to stuff like that i know that when i went to college like we we look at some of the people that were older and like doing it again for the second time like kind of weird but if you stop and think about it those are the wisest cuz they said okay I've lived my life and I now realize that I really need this to go forward. And they went back, they did it. Um, I had a friend named Kit who had a family and kids, went back, got his degree in computer science and now works for, I think, JPL up in Pasadena and he's doing very well for himself. So we see those, we see the ups and downs. And uh, it's just something that I had on my mind that has been kind of weighing on me and I feel really passionate about but don't know what to do and don't know how to help where I can make a big enough of an impact where I would feel vindicted in the amount of energy that I'd put in. And it's really weird because, like I said, this all came from the hashtag women in 
computer science and it's like the people that are really or women in engineering and the people that are really misrepresented in engineering isn't aren't so much I mean they are women are misrepresented in engineering where people don't think that they're engineers but that's just like sex, sex, sexism and machismo and that can be easily fixed uh, by showing these people and a lot of the men in engineering are logical so hopefully they're not too biased and they'll see like oh yeah I guess it was uh, my misconceived notions about who I think of as an engineer um, but a much so that's an easy problem to fix I feel like in the grand scheme of things whereas the real underrepresented people underrepresented people in computers in, in engineering and computer science are the are poor people and it so happens to be that it's disproportionately Latinos and blacks that are poor that are that are not in computer science and um, I don't want to end on a negative note because that seems kind of heavy it seems kind of it seems kind of dry. And, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Like, there are a lot of success stories. And I think as a nation, we, we will get better and we have gotten better. And I feel hopeful for the future because I go back and when I give talks at universities about, you know, whatever, rails or, you know, whatever I want to talk about, um, I, I'm seeing more, I'm actually seeing more of that demographic. And I don't know if that's because it's becoming computers and, and general or engineering is becoming more accessible to everybody, more understandable. Maybe we're just getting smarter, like the people that know how to teach mathematics have uh, made those sacrifices, gone back to the schools and things are getting better. Or, But whatever it is, we're starting to see that rise. And I just want to see that trend, that positive feedback, uh, that positive wave turn into a feedback that will allow all these people that are pulled from the undercurrent to be pushed out and onto dry land so they can go on with their lives and become the best person that they can be. So that's it um, for me. That that it was just a it's just sort of a thought. It wasn't really techie. I guess it does involve technology. Um, the next podcast is probably going to be a Rails cast. Um, not for that. Um, not for that brand or website or whatever. But um, I had a friend ask me about Rails recently because he's going to do it for a job. And I thought, wow, what a great opportunity to cover, um, basically to cover Rails and what, where people go wrong and the common pitfalls and stuff like that since I've done the stack enough times. Um, hopefully, uh, next time I will have my friend on the podcast, the, the, the person that asked him, uh, who has a really cool name. His name's Pascal, so named after a mathematician. Um, so hopefully, hopefully I can get him on and we can can go through it and you can ask questions and it'll be more entertaining than these last few podcasts that I've been doing by myself. All right. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, till next time.